0: Well, hello everybody, welcome to Summit Church. Glad you're here today. Welcome everybody on social media, glad you've joined us. Hey, we've been talking about the kings of the Old Testament and we've been learning lessons from their lives, things to do and things not to do. And uh, and so today we're gonna look at some things not to do and we're gonna look at Ahab and Jezebel. Ahab and Jezebel, what a uh, what a undynamic duo they were. And uh, a lot of things here to learn. So Ahab, he was the seventh king of the divided kingdom of Israel. He's perhaps the most famous of the kings, perhaps the most famous and the most evil or one of the most evil kings, at least in Israel. Uh, uh, and Manasseh was another king we'll talk about later. He was very evil as well. But uh, suffice it to say, Ahab was was evil. Uh, and, and actually, the Bible says in First First uh, 1 Kings 1630, First 1 Kings 1630, the Bible says that he did more evil than all the kings before him. So very evil man. But, uh, you know, as you study his life, he, he had some ability. All right. He had some ability, but overall, he was weak. He, he was a weak, sulky moody, and self-pitying individual, weak, sulky, moody and self-pitying individual and uh, and he cannot be talked about without talking about his infamous, notoriously evil wife jezebel and um, and so we're going to talk about Ahab and Jezebel together I know we're talking about lessons from the kings but but his wife is right there with him. And you like I said, you can't talk about Ahab without Jezebel. But 1 Kings 21, verse 25. 1 Kings 21, verse 25, in the New Living Translation says this: No one else so completely sold himself to what was evil in the Lord's sight as Ahab did, under the influence of his wife Jezebel. And that's important because he was under the influence. <laughs> And it wasn't under the influence of alcohol. He was under the influence of his wife, Jezebel. Now, remember, he was a weak individual himself, and she was a very uh, domineering person. And he—he uh, he, uh, the Bible says that, let me read it again, No one else so completely sold himself to what was evil in the Lord's sight, as Ahab did under the influence of his wife, Jezebel. So I'm convinced that he would not have been as evil as he was, if it hadn't have been for his wife being so evil. She was actually, from my study of it, she was far worse than than him. And but her influence affected him. And uh, and, and you know, uh, marriage to foreigners, the, the Israelites were instructed by God not to marry foreigners because uh, they would turn uh, their heart. The foreigners. Would turn the people of god 's heart away from the Lord, and uh, uh, and as you you look at this, the marriage that Ahab and Jezebel had wasn 't in the will of God; he should have never married her to start with. Uh, she was from Phoenicia, and God had had commanded that that you know that <laughs> the kings the Israelites not marry uh, uh, foreigners because as I said they'd turn their hearts away from the Lord but but he married Jezebel and uh, and, and actually you know um, uh it was a political marriage he did it to strengthen relations with Israel and Phoenicia but uh he got more than he than he bargained for when he when he married Jezebel and uh, uh she was, actually she was a princess from Zidon, and uh if you study her life uh she was uh her her, her father was very evil also but, uh, you know, I've learned this, evil is a choice. And a lot of people would say, well, Jezebel was evil because her father was evil, but you know, that's not, that's not so. Because you, as we go along here, we'll see that you had evil kings who had good sons, and good son, uh, kings who had, let me get that right. Had, you, you'd have good kings who had evil sons, and you'd have evil kings who had good sons. Did I get that right? So just because the parent is evil doesn't mean the child is going to be evil, and just because a parent is good doesn't mean the child is going to be good. Again, evil kings had good sons, some of them. Some, of, some, some good kings had evil sons. You, you understand what I'm saying. And, and sometimes evil kings would have evil sons and so forth. What I'm trying to tell you is, is that you can't say, well, Jezebel was evil because her dad was evil. She was evil because she was evil. She made that choice. And you need to understand that because I think people, I understand that parents and the way you're raised in a home does, uh, uh, can affect you greatly. I understand that. I do understand that and there's great truth in that. But uh, ultimately, uh, uh, you know, I think sometimes we're a little too quick, uh, uh, to lay, lay off how we were raised as to how we are. I mean, there's great truth in it, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, just from my study of it, you know, you choose to be the person you are. And, uh, I, I've seen numerous situations. I'm thinking of one right now of a, of a man who was not a very good father at all. But he had, he, I'm thinking of his, his oldest son is one of the greatest fathers you'd ever find. You understand? And then I've seen the opposite where you have a good dad who who will have a son, and he's not a very good dad to his kids so you are ultimately I think the way you are because you make a choice to be that way okay yes. and uh and and if you were raised in a difficult environment, you know at some point you have to build a bridge, get over it, and be the person that you are yes. and so even though she had an evil father, uh, she was evil herself, but she was evil because she was evil Jezebel you understand that and um uh, uh, so so be that as it may, uh, you know, let me just read from my notes here just to re- review with you. He was a weak. He was weak. He's very weak. You know, men men ought to ought to have some strength about him and some backbone to him, you know, but he didn't have a, much of a backbone to him. Ahab. He did have some some good qualities, actually, but but he overall was weak. And Jezebel was devious, domineering, and, and she was wholly devoted to evil. And she became the power behind the throne. She became the power behind the throne. Uh, actually, Ahab was kind of like her puppet, if you will. And, uh, and and she became the power behind the throne. And under her influence, Ahab gave Baal and Asherah. These were false gods, you know. Uh, he gave, under her influence, under her influence, see, Uh, Ahab gave Baal and Asherah equal place with God. Now you think about that. At Jezebel's urging, Ahab opposed the worship of of Almighty God, uh, destroyed his altars, uh, killed his prophets. And something else you'll learn about Jezebel as we go here, uh, uh, she not only controlled her husband, but she wanted to control the men of God. You need to realize that. And uh, and she wanted real men of God, authentic men of God uh, out of the way, uh, put to death, if you will. And uh, and so under under her influence, uh, you had the killing of God's prophets and uh, and she would support false prophets and pagan prophets. She promoted sexual sin, including homosexuality. And she promoted witchcraft. You could say she was was a witch. Actually, she promoted witchcraft, and she also her and, and Ahab together. You can't just lay it off on her. It was him, him too. He let her get away with it. We'll say more about that in a moment. He let her get away with what she got away with, and because uh, he was was weak and he wasn't he he didn't have backbone, and and, and they promoted uh, they promoted the human sacrifice of babies. So that we're talking evil stuff here. And uh, and again, I just to reiterate, she was evil, manipulative, uh, all about control. And, you know, control. Witchcraft is really about control. And uh, she, she we, you can say again, she was a witch. <laughs> she really was in more ways than one. And uh, you know what I mean by that. And uh, uh, controlling, domineering her husband. Again, uh, let me say this. The husband ought to have backbone, and the Bible says the husband is the head of the wife. And the husband should not be a dictatorial figure. You understand that. The husband should be a loving man who loves his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You understand that. That's what a husband should be. And, uh, but, but, but he should also be firm and strong in love, lovingly. And uh, and then if a husband is that way, then a wife, a godly wife, should have no trouble submitting to him. You understand that? But uh, 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 that's the way God wants it to be. Uh, a, a man to love his wife as Christ loved the church and, and, and all of that. And uh, he wants a man to, a husband to lay down his, his life for his wife and, and all of that. But then along with that, the wife should be submissive to her husband not a doormat he shouldn't uh, the wife doesn't need to be a doormat shouldn't be a doormat the husband should not you know rule over her as a dictator but the husband does have the responsibility of being the head of the wife you understand that but but Ahab and Jezebel did not operate that way he was weak and she was domineering and and she was he was bad but she was worse and her influence made him even worse yet and uh, and, and and the real thing about it is this and, and go to revelation chapter 2 and verse 18 you see in the book of revelation the church of thyatira you see there uh the name Jezebel mentioned and uh now this woman that we're going to look at here briefly here in the book of revelation i don't believe for one second that her actual name was Jezebel now why the holy Spirit uh had, you know well it was actually Jesus you know who was was uh, uh, gave this message to John to deliver to this church um, uh the reason he called her jezebel there's much speculation about it but uh, but uh it could it, it, I don't know. I think the reason that he used the word, uh, the name Jezebel for this woman is because um, she acted like the Jezebel that we're going to study about it, that we've already been studying about here today. But he says to this church, look at Revelation 2.18. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel. Now, notice here, and if you study into the, the actual Greek, the original language, it really reads like this. Jesus is speaking to this pastor in Thyatira and he says you allow your uh, that woman your wife Jezebel this lady there was a lady in this church who was the pastor's wife okay and the pastor was allowing this woman to do things in the church that she should not have been doing and actually if you study Ahab and Jezebel this is the thing that, that I would say right here. The greater evil was really not so much with Jezebel. The greater evil is that Ahab let her get away with it. That was the greater evil. That Ahab let her get away with what she got away with. He, he, he just let let her just, you know, run run over him and do whatever she wanted. And and here in Thyatira, the Lord Jesus says to this, this pastor, he says, you allow... That woman, your wife, Jezebel, and I don't think her name really was Jezebel. Now, it might have been, but but I think he called her Jezebel because she was like the the Jezebel in the Old Testament. And then who calls herself a prophetess. Just be careful when somebody calls herself a prophet or a prophetess. Be careful. Most of the time they're not when they're calling themselves that. I could teach a whole message on that. And then notice what the pastor was allowing his wife to do in the church. She was getting up and teaching and seducing his servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. Think about that. That was going on in the church. And uh, what would you all think? Now, my wife would never do this. But what would you think if my wife came up here and taught you to commit sexual immorality and, and, and she promoted idolatry? What would you think about that? I mean, that would be that would be that would be terrible, wouldn't it? Now, she'd never do that, would you? I mean, she, she'd never do that. But but what if she did? And then even worse yet, what if I let her get away with it? And that's what was happening in this church. And uh, and the Lord was not happy about it at all. And he was upset with the pastor really more than he was with, with the wife, because the pastor was letting him get uh, letting her get away with it. You see, I remember one time years ago, I was at a pastor's conference and a certain pastor was scheduled to speak. And when he got up, he was scheduled to speak. He got up and he said, uh, well, I, I studied and prayed and I have a message for today. But uh, but my wife tells me that the Lord wants her to give the message. Really? And so he sat down and she got up and she went on for about an hour and screamed and screamed. There was about, you know, about a 100 pastors there. She was screaming and yelling and going on. And, uh, and, and it was just terrible. It was just, just, I, I mean, she made no sense just, just ranting and going on. And, uh, and, and, and then she finally got done and sat down. And, you know, I thought as, as bad as what she said and did was, the worst thing was that her husband let her, let her do that. And what it was even worse yet, the pastor that was controlling, not controlling, but was over the whole thing, he should have got up and shut her down. Yeah. Yeah. But he let it go on too, you see. You understand? And there's, there's a lot of women that operate that way. And, and what's worse yet is her husband's let them get away with it. And, uh, but notice in verse 21 how gracious the Lord is. I gave her time to repent. Now he's talking to this woman here in Thyatira, this pastor's wife. I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Actually, the Greek says she did not want to repent. So, of course, if you read on, then the Lord, the Lord judged her. And you know, if ultimately we won't repent of our sins, God will give us much time to repent. He's very gracious. But if we don't repent, then, then he'll judge us. And I'm not going to read the rest of it. You can read that on your own time, how the Lord, you know, brought judgment if she didn't repent. But, uh, here you see that the real problem is that the, is that the husband allowed it to happen. And, uh, you know, in the last 27 years, almost three decades of pastoring, I've observed, now this is what I've observed. I've observed about, <laughs> about 80%, but actually I think it's higher than that. 80% of husbands are controlled by their wives. I'd say that's a fair, fair number. It's probably higher than 80%. But about, about 80% of husbands are controlled by their wives. Now, now maybe not to the extreme that Jezebel control they have, but, but to varying degrees. Because some of them are, are like Ahab and Jezebel. But, uh, uh, I'd say about 80% of husbands are controlled by their wives and uh and 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 are afraid of their wives actually and their wives call the shots pretty much if whatever the wife wants that's what happens you know and uh uh, I mean, the first first encounter I had with the husband-wife situation, as it pertains to this, was when I was a kid, and my mom had some rental property, and there was this man named Charlie Genowine, and he rented a house for my mom. Him and his wife Hazel, you know, and 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 Hazel every once in a while would would get all stirred up, and Charlie'd come over to my mom's house, and he'd always have a washcloth with him, and he'd sit there in my mom's kitchen, and she he'd sit there, and he always wore a baseball hat. He'd take that baseball hat off, and he'd wipe that sweat off of his head. He say, he'd tell my mom, he'd say, Miss Shield, Miss Shield, uh, Hazel's on. She, she's at it again. She's upset again. She's mad at me over this uh, or, or whatever. And the sweat would just pour off of this man. It would just, he was so afraid of her and, and it would just pour out onto the floor. My mom didn't like that. She'd get the lights. And cleaned it up after after he went home. But I remember Charlie sitting there and just sweating and sweating and sweating, and he and he wiped that sweat off because his wife was after him, Hazel, you know. And so my mom coined a phrase. She she said when she'd see somebody sweating, she'd say they're sweating like Charlie Genowine because you know because he sweats so much because he was afraid of his wife. But uh, and and then and then as that's when I was a kid, I saw that. And then as years went on, when I was first starting in the ministry, I was teaching in a church one one time and. uh, and I was teaching on the book of Revelation. I don't think I was teaching about Je- Ahab and Jezebel here that I just read, but I was teaching on the book of Revelation and right in the middle of the service, a woman came into the congregation and looked through the congregation and found her husband. She had a belt and she went over and she grabbed him by the scuff of the neck and started beating him, beating him, beating him with that belt, you know. And I'm thinking, my goodness, that shouldn't ought to be happening between a husband and a wife, you know. And, and, and that'll throw a bucket of cold water on the service, you know. And I asked the guy after, because then she left the... And I asked the ushers, why didn't you put a stop to it? They said, Pastor Terry, we didn't want to get beat up by her either, you know. And so, uh, but I asked the guy after she left, I said, you, his name was Ralph. I said, Ralph, are you okay? And he said, oh, yeah, that's nothing. You should see what she how she beats me at home, you know. And I think, why do you take this, you know? You shouldn't put up with it, you know. But uh, so, uh, but... Uh, you know, I've had grown men actually sit in my office and cry. And, and, and they, and, and they say, Pastor Terry, you know, I want to do thus and so. The Lord spoke to my heart to do thus and so. But my wife, she's telling me I can't do what the Lord's telling me to do. And they'd sit there and cry. They'd just sit there and cry. And I said, well, why do you, why do you put up with it? And they, they couldn't ever give me an answer. They just, 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 just scared. Spitless of their wife. I remember um, uh, one time there was a certain uh, uh, a husband sat in my office, and there was it was a situation he had to confront his wife. There was no other way around it. He had to confront her, and 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 he said he said I, he said I don't think I can do it, Pastor Terry, but I know I have to. I said, Yeah, you're going to have to do it on this one. You're going to have to. And I mean, he got so afraid, uh, scared, and afraid. I watched the blood drain out of his face. He turned white as a ghost, white as a sheet, and I've never seen anything like this. He got so frightened that 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 his neck you know if you swallowed a box of toothpicks what it would look like I mean his neck his neck started popping out he was scared to death of his wife but you know there's a lot of husband and wife situations that are just that away and the husband's scared to death of the wife and and uh, and so on and so forth and uh, 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 they just let the wife go on and on and on I know I dealt with a certain, uh, and I've dealt with several of these over the years. But in this situation, uh, so many times we've watched wives. I've watched wives. You know, they think they're prayer warriors, and they'll they'll pray. You know, they're prayer warriors, and uh, and, and they'll want to rebuke the devil, and they'll they'll rebuke the devil in their praying, and they're warring prayers and all of this, but yet they're not submitted to their husband. I'm thinking of one right now. She's a supposed prayer warrior. And uh, actually her husband would introduce her as this is my this is my prophetess. And she hears from God for me. Now, you know, that's not right. That's unbelievable. But uh, attended this church for years. Absolutely. And 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 I, I I never said anything about it because it wasn't causing a problem directly in the church, but I just shook my head and and I watched this woman talk to his uh, she talked to her her husband at times like he was a piece of dirt like he was a piece of trash, and he just sit there and take it just sit there and take it, and um, and and she thought she was a prayer warrior and she thought she had all this authority with God, but the Bible says. He says, submit yourselves to God, then resist the devil and he'll flee. But you see, she didn't have, I tell you what, she was not, she had no authority over the devil, this particular woman that I'm talking about. You know why? Because she wasn't submitted to her husband. I've watched a lot of these prayer warrior women, they're, they think they're prayer warriors and they wanna, they wanna command all this authority over the devil, but they're not submitted to their husbands. If you, listen, if you're a, 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 a wife and you're not submitted to your husband, now, assuming that he's a godly husband, you, you understand. But if you're not, and this man was, but if you're not submitted to your husband, I tell you what—you're not going to have any authority over the devil. The devil's not doesn't have to flee from you because you're not submitted to your husband. And I've seen wife after wife after wife—they want to have all this authority over the devil, but they're not submitted to their husband. They're sure not submitted to their to their to their pastor, and yet they want to have authority over the devil, and it doesn't work that way. And they resist the devil, and he never does flee. But yet they think they're 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 prayer warriors, you know. And and uh, I remember, you know, and we we've had a few of these over the years. I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. Uh, we've had a few of these over the years that uh, they they just they just control their husbands and they 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 were domineering over their husbands and and uh, and, and 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 we're going to see this as we go. These kind of women they'll all, they'll also come after the pastor. And I've had a few of these come after me over the years. And I tell you what, you have, one thing I've learned is when, when somebody is, when a woman is, is flowing like this Jezebel, you you know, you've got to stand up to it. It's you're either going to it's like a junior high classroom. You're either going to as a teacher, you're either going to run that classroom or the classroom is going to run you. And women who are who who give themselves over to acting like Jezebel, either they're you're going to run them or they're going to run you. And I learned early on, I'm not going to let them run me. And so so I made that decision early on. Can anybody say amen to that? And, uh, and, and, and I probably shouldn't say this, but, uh, but, but, but I've had, I've had several of them leave over the years, but actually, they, they didn't just leave, they got on their broom and flew out. <laughs> I, I'm not taking it back. I said they got on their broom and flew out. Absolutely the truth. Because I wouldn't let them run the church. I wouldn't let them, they were running their husband, but I wouldn't let them run the church, so. Yeah. And this particular lady I'm talking about she she got on her broom and flew out, so I'm not taking that back yeah, no, I mean, yeah. uh, but uh, uh, But the one story that stands at the head of the list is is uh, and it, there's enough time passed now that hardly anybody would probably remember what I'm talking about here, but but I'm going to share this because I think it would be helpful to people uh. The story that stands at the head of the list of a wife controlling her husband. We had a family here many, 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 many years ago. And I just observed and I watched and the wife treated her husband like a piece of dirt. But it wasn't just the wife. It was also the daughters. And they treated the husband like he was a piece of garbage. In fact, he called me one day on the phone. He had my cell phone. He called me on the phone. He said, I can't find my wife and daughters. I said, what do you mean you can't find your wife and daughter? He said, I can't find them. And he says, it's been hours. I've been calling them. I can't, I don't, don't know where they're at. I said, oh my gosh. I said, well, you better call the police. He said, I've called the police and it's got to be 24 hours before they're going to really do anything. And so I thought, oh my gosh. He said, well, just pray if nothing else. So I, you know, I, what are you going to do? So I, but be that as it may, he called back a couple hours later and he said he said I I he said I finally located them. I said, "Where where are they?" He said, "Well, they they've gone on vacation and they took off and left and And uh and I said, "You're just finding out now that your wife and daughters have gone on vacation?" He said, "Yeah. I mean, they 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 would just treat him just like he was a piece of dirt." And so finally one day this man that I'm telling you about um, he called me and he, he said, would you have lunch with me? And I said, yes. And we sat down and he, he said, I got to talk to you about something. And he pulled out this book that was titled The, the Jezebel Spirit. And he said, he said, uh, he said, Pastor Terry, he said, would would you read this book? And I had actually read that book some years earlier. And uh, he said, do you think there's such a thing as a Jezebel spirit? And if so, would you cast it out of my wife? Uh, Do you think she has, no, she said, he said, do you think there's such a thing as a Jezebel spirit? And do you think my wife has one? And if so, would you cast it out? And so, (laughs) he said, I can't live like this anymore. This is terrible. And, and, and I said, well, I've observed that from, from afar and I've watched that. And, and so I, I, first of all, is there a Jezebel spirit? Well, I don't necessarily think there is a Jezebel spirit. It's like Ernest Angelou used to cast nicotine devils out of people, you know, at the Keele Auditorium on television. I don't think there's a nicotine devil. I think your body can get addicted to nicotine, and I think there might be demonic spirits that might, 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 promote that addiction, but I don't think there is a nicotine devil, and I don't think you can cast it out. I think it's something that somebody has to come against themselves and overcome the nicotine. But anyway, I don't think there is a Jezebel spirit, but I do know that when a woman is given to these characteristics that Jezebel had, you know, that we're talking about here, they're domineering whatnot. I'm not saying demonic power couldn't get involved with that. But then I also learned this. You can't cast that out of a woman or off of a woman. You can't do it. The only way, the only chance you have is you have to confront it and stand up to it. That's the only chance you have lovingly, lovingly. And so I told him what I just told you. And I said, uh, I said, the, uh, the best thing that you can do is lovingly confront your wife and 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 your daughters. But it's mainly your wife and lovingly stand lovingly stand up to her. Because, I mean, she just, I mean, I watched her treat that man like he was tr- less than trash on many occasions. And uh, and so um, I uh, I said, lovingly confront her, lovingly stand up to her and stand in your rightful God-given authority as a husband. But he was afraid to do so. I mean, when I told him that sitting at that restaurant, I mean, there again, the blood just drained out of his face, scared to death of her. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, he said, if I do that, if I confront her, she'll leave me. And uh, when he said that, I was impressed of the Lord to tell him. And I told him this. I said, if you don't confront her and get this thing straightened up, I said, it's going to cost you even greater loss. That came out of my spirit. I told him that. He never, he never stood up to her Never did. And, uh, eventually they left the church. And, you know, people leave. Any, anybody that has, any pastor that has a church, people come, people go, people are gonna leave. And, uh, and, and so eventually they, they left. Okay, so they left. But it's interesting on this one here, I felt impressed of the Lord to call a meeting with, with them. And, uh, right before they left, but it was not to keep them in the church. I don't do that. If somebody, says they're going to leave, then let them go. God love them. God bless them. I don't try to talk people into staying. I only did that one time when I was very young in the ministry and it was a disaster and uh, and, and I've never done it since. And I don't try to talk people into staying. And that's not why I wanted to call the meeting. But I, I, I But the Lord directed me to call them in and warn them what was going to happen to their family if this husband, wife, daughter situation was not corrected. And 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 they refused to meet with me. And I told my wife, I'll never forget it. I told my wife, and you can ask her, I, I, right shortly after they left, I told my wife, I said, told her what the Lord told me. This is just, this is just the way it happened. And uh, I, I said what I was going to tell them in that meeting, if they'd have met with me, what the Lord wanted me to tell them and warn them, that uh, if the godly order of the family was not adhered to, that the family would eventually break apart and one of them would die pre- prematurely. I didn't know which one it was. I knew one of them was going to die prematurely. if They didn't get this. Now, this gets serious all of a sudden now. And I was supposed to warn them of that, but they wouldn't meet. So a few, year, a few years came and went. I was supposed to tell them that if they didn't get this mother-daughter deal with him, if they didn't get that straightened out, that, 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 that their family would eventually break apart and that one of them was going to die prematurely. It gets serious all of a sudden. But they wouldn't meet. So I didn't get to tell them that. And I'm not going to go running after people. I, I gave them the opportunity. After a few years, they had left, so I hadn't seen them for several years. After a few years, word came to me that their family had broken apart. Just like the Lord said. And then sometime after that, word came to me again that the husband, this husband, was found dead. Prematurely. Gets serious all of a sudden, doesn't it? The husband should be the head of the wife and should love her as Christ loves the church. Right? And the woman then should be submissive to her husband. You understand that? And you get out of that, I tell you what, you get out of God's flow and it can cost you. And I watched it cost a lot of families, a lot of men. This is the most extreme that I ever saw, though. Don't you think that's pretty extreme? I often wonder if they would have come in and met, not that I'm anything, but if they'd have come in and listened to that and and just did what the Spirit of God was saying, you know, the family could have stayed together and he'd still be alive today. Think about that. Think about that, and then another lesson that we have. Let, let me go on here. Another lesson that we have is is Elijah the prophet. We're talking about lessons from Ahab and Jezebel. Uh, Elijah the prophet. He's another major figure in in Ahab's life. Elijah the prophet cried out against Ahab and Jezebel, and I can say Amen for that. You know, uh, God, uh, he had Elijah the prophet set there. To cry out against them, but not only that, he called them to repentance. And this is what you need to realize: uh, uh, he didn't just have God didn't just have Elijah crying out against Ahab and Jezebel. Although he cried out against their sins, but he was trying God was trying to use Elijah to get them to repent, and they wouldn't they 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 wouldn't repent. And he cried out against, you know, Elijah cried out against the sins of the political leaders of the land, Ahab and Jezebel. You know, that's a mark, I think, and you ought to make a note of this, the mark of a true spiritual leader, uh, uh, the mark of a true uh, minister of the gospel. They will cry out against the political ills of the day. They really will. They, they really, really will. If you got a minister that doesn't, that never cries out against the political ills of the day, never cries out against abortion, never cries out against homosexuality, not against the, you know, we love the people, we hate the sin. You understand that? But if you got somebody never crying out against that, I question whether they're really called of God or not. There ought to be an aspect of that in their ministry, and uh, and Elijah did that, and, and and the intent was to get Ahab and Jezebel to repent. And that was the intent. God, That's God's intent. God doesn't want to bring bring destruction on people. He wants to get people to repent. So he doesn't have to do that, you see. But uh, because of the sins that Ahab and Jezebel were committing and leading Israel into, God's judgment came. And, and notice this, a famine struck the land at Elijah's word. Remember when Elijah gave the word there was going to be no more rain and there wasn't for three and a half years? but uh, and by the way did you you see that that was judgment that was judgment on Israel that was judgment on Israel do you ever notice the have you noticed the weather patterns here in the United States i mean in the last the last i guess decade or so they've they've been they've been a little bit different haven't they you know, I mean, and re- even recently, I've said for years the judgment of God's pending on this nation, and 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 so pay attention to those weather forecasts throughout not not you know throughout the United States. I, I tell you what, uh, I think that's a lot of times we uh, uh, the, the Bible says that a lot of times God's people don't know the judgments of the Lord, but you just look at the weather patterns, and, and I think you can see. I mean, this nation. You know, there's no way you can kill as many babies as we've killed. You can't promote homosexuality and throw God out of the public school and public square and have the blessing of God sitting on it. Amen. Now, I'd, and I'd rather live here in this nation than anywhere else. And, and, and there is a blessing of God on the United States. I mean, there is, but there are also that judgments pending there because of those sins. You understand that? It just it just really is. But anyway, that famine came and it was it was because there was no rain and it was it was judgment on Israel. And you know what it was there for? It was there to get Ahab and Jezebel and the people of God to repent. But they wouldn't repent. They wouldn't repent. They wouldn't repent. You know, the, 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 the famine was there and, the, and they wouldn't repent. I wonder how many of them even realize it was the judgment of God. But it was. And, uh, uh, and it was intended to get him to repent. But look at 1 Kings 18, verse 20. Look at 18, uh, 1 Kings 18, 20. Elijah, you know, he, he said it's not gonna rain. And then he went and he hid himself for about three and a half years. And eventually he, he reappears and resurfaces. And we could talk about all the great things that happened to Elijah during that three and a half years. But, Let's stay on, on, on task here. He shows up at Mount Carmel in First Kings 18, verse 20. And notice here, Ahab sent for all the children of Israel. So here at Mount Carmel, now it hasn't rained for three and a half years. And now all the children of Israel... They come out at Ahab's request and gather. And then he gathered his false prophets there at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. See, the people were following Baal. And 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 God had Elijah there to call him back and get him to repent and, and turn back to God. And he said, How long are you gonna you know falter or go between these two opinions? You serve God or serve Baal, one or the other, you know. And uh But the people didn't answer a word. Then Elijah said to the people, he said, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Think about all these false prophets out there at Mount Carmel. And then verse 23, therefore, let them give give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves. Cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I'll prepare the other bull laid on the wood and put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods and I'll call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. Now that's pretty bold, isn't it? And as the story goes on, they cried out. The prophets of Baal they cried out, you know, for hours and hours, and and no fire, no nothing, you know, and and uh, and eventually just. Speeding the story up here, when Elijah cries out, guess what happened? The fire falls. Actually, he had him wet the, he had him dump buckets of water on it, you know, and the fire fell and it lapped up the, you know, I mean, now you ought to turn to God at that point, shouldn't you? I mean, don't you think when the, the prophets of Baal, there's nothing going on, but when Elijah cries out to the, to the one true God, the fire falls, you know, it's pretty easy who we need to serve. We need to serve God, not Baal. Is that right? And the fire falls, and it's interesting when that fire falls, Notice something, 1 Kings 18.39. Notice this, when all the people saw saw it, when they saw that fire fall, now notice what happens. They fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Did this bring repentance to the people? Yes, it did. And did you know what happened right after this? Rain came. So you see, God's looking for repentance. He's looking for people to repent. And the people repented. Now, Ahab and Jezebel did not repent. But the people did, because they cried out, they fell on their, when they saw that fire fall, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, He's God, the Lord, He's God. And, and so there was a repentance among the people, and, and, and then, and then of course the rain came, so God's looking for repentance, and when repentance comes, the judgment stops. But Ahab and Jezebel didn't repent, and, and that's sad, and then of course Elijah, he executed those 450 prophets of Baal, and then he outran Ahab's chariot, you know. I mean, and, and, can you imagine? Imagine somebody out running a chariot. I mean that was under the hand of the Lord, and that should have been enough to get Ahab's attention right there. But Ahab and Jezebel just they were not going to repent. And uh uh and it's interesting that once this happened, not only did, did did Ahab and Jezebel not repent, but Jezebel threatened to kill Elijah and take his life. Now, here's a man who just called down fire. Remember I told you a while ago this that a woman who's who's operating like Jezebel is either going to run the man of God or the man of God is going to run that. And, he, and notice right here, she cries out against uh, against Elijah. And uh, now he just called fire down. Why is he running from this woman? I tell you what, this Jezebel thing can be a scary thing to men. I mean, it can be. It can really be. And uh, but he ran. See, he ran and he ran from Jezebel. Don't ever run from Jezebel. Don't run. Don't run. Don't run. Don't run. Because you got to stand up to it. If you don't stand up to it, it's going to run you. And that's what he did. He ran. Now, why did he run? He ran. He called down fire just earlier, and now he's running. You know. I mean, have you ever done something you shouldn't have done? I mean, Elijah—he did something. I—I I, I think he'd like a do-over on that one. I think, and we could go through much of what of, of, of what happened and all. I'm not going to do that for the sake of time. But you know, it reminds me. And, and, and the thing you need to realize: a woman that's yielding to this Jezebel, acting like Jezebel, put it that way. Like I said, not only do they do they control their husband, but they go after the man of God also, and uh, they'll want his head on a platter. Uh, you know that story I told you about that man just earlier who uh, who 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 died prematurely. Yeah. Well, his wife and daughters they wanted my head on a platter, absolutely, absolutely, and not just them, but that woman I told you who got on flew out on her broom. She wanted my head on a platter, and many over the years have wanted wanted my head on a platter because I won't give in to letting them run things. Yeah. It's not that I'm a dictator; it's just they want to run things and do things that the Spirit of God's not saying. You know? You understand that? And, uh, and my, it's just, it's just the way that it is. But they wanted my head on a plant. Remember Herodias? Remember, remember she was married to Herod and it was, they were in adultery? Remember that? And guess what John the Baptist did? He cried out against it. Did he not? How many remembers that? He cried out, and it, Herodias didn't like it, so she had Salome go in, her daughter, and they were both evil, I tell you what. I'm telling you what, Salome and, and, and Herodias, Herodias had Salome go in and dance before Herod, remember that, at his birthday party, and did that sensual dance, remember that, and got him so stirred up that he, he said, uh, he said I'll give you whatever you want up to half the kingdom. Remember that? She went back to her evil mother, and the evil mother said, I want John the Baptist, his head on a platter. How many remembers that? And she got it too, didn't she? I said she got it too. Herod didn't want to do it, but he put John in prison and had his head chopped up. Isn't that something? Yeah. Wow. See, the, the women that yield to this, this, give themselves an act like, over an act like Jezebel, they'll, they'll not only want to control their husband, and, and they will, but if he don't stand up to him, but they'll come after the man of God also. And John the Baptist talked to him about that. He understands something about a woman that's operate like Jezebel. His head's on a platter. Is that right? And she went after Elijah. Ultimately, she couldn't get him. Though glory to God, God caught him up to heaven. Is that wonderful? Amen. But she, if she could have, she would have. I'll tell you the truth. But you know, um, even in the midst of all of Ahab's evil, God gave him some military victories. Listen to this. One time. Uh, God gave Ahab victory on him. Now, now God is a good God. And you say, well, how, how, how can God be good to such an evil person? Doesn't the Bible say he makes the rain, he makes it rain on the just and the unjust? And so God, even as evil as Ahab and Jezebel was, he, he, he tried to show his goodness to him. I know one time he gave Ahab a victory over Ben Hadad of Syria, and the victory happened on the mountain. Now listen to this. God gave him victory. Ahab, victory on the mountain. And, 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 uh, Ben Haddad said, well, the only reason that, 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 that Israel had victory is because it was on the mountain. But if they fought us in the valley, we'd have victory. And guess what? God gave Ahab victory in the valley. And what's the message here? God will give you victory on the mountain. And he'll give you victory in the valley. You know, glory to God. Doesn't matter if you're on the mountain or in the valley. God will give you victory. But God gave Ahab victory on the mountain and victory in the valley. And guess what? Ahab still didn't repent. Isn't that something? Is that something? It, it really is, and 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 what I want to do is I want to close. Take about ten more minutes. You got ten more minutes, don't you? I, I want to close because I want to finish Ahab and Jezebel today, and we're gonna we're gonna close this up by talking about the the thing among all the other things that they did that were, were evil. I want to look at what really brought their 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 demise was Naboth's vineyard, Naboth's vineyard. So let's talk, and I'll close. Interesting stuff here. Listen to this. Uh, Naboth was a righteous man who owned a vineyard next to Ahab's palace in Jezreel. Now you got that? Ah, uh, Naboth was a righteous man and he owned a vineyard next to Ahab's palace in Jezreel. Because Ahab had several palaces, but Ahab had this nice vineyard right next to Ahab's... Uh, Naboth had the vineyard right next to Ahab's palace in Jezreel. And Ahab wanted to purchase Naboth's vineyard and convert it into a vegetable garden. Ahab made Naboth a fair offer for his vineyard, but Naboth refused, as it was a family inheritance, and uh, he didn't want to give the vineyard up. And actually, in, in God's law, it was really forbidden for him to give that to give that uh, uh, that, that vineyard up and so Ahab wanted him to break God's law he wanted that vineyard and when Ahab couldn't get the vineyard you know what he did he had a pity party and he went he went back to his palace there in Jezreel and he went to, uh, and he went to bed sulking and he would not eat he wouldn't eat turned his face to the wall he would not eat he went back to his palace okay and i presume that it was in in Jezreel but nonetheless he 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 he's sulking And when Jezebel saw her husband with sour mood and lost appetite because of his failed purchase, she was determined to solve his problem. Jezebel told Ahab she would get the vineyard. I'll get it for you, she said, but she, here's what she did. She forged letters, interesting story. She forged letters from Ahab ordering the local leaders to frame Naboth on capital charges of blasphemy and execute him by stoning. They had a dinner, you know, and she put two scoundrels up next to him and they, up to Naboth and they accused him of blaspheming God and the king, which he didn't do. But these two false witnesses gave testimony that he did and they took him outside the city there in Jezreel and they stoned him. They killed him so that they could get that, they could get his vineyard. Now some people say Ahab directly knew about it some say that he didn't but you know what uh uh he if he didn't know he should have known his wife was up to no good and they they stone Naboth and it's interesting now it's interesting they stone him they stone him in Jezreel and I'll tell you in a minute why but uh, uh, look they stone him in Jezreel but they move his body to Samaria Apparently, and I'll tell you why in a minute, why they move his body to Samaria. I'll tell you why in a minute it's fascinating. But, but they stone him, and the dogs licked his blood. And, 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 and he was stoned in Jezreel, but his, his, his body was moved, no, no doubt, to Samaria, and in Samaria, for some reason they moved his body, must have moved his body to Samaria, I'll tell you why in a minute, and the dogs licked his blood. Now, this is an innocent man that has been killed and he's been moved to. Uh, he, he's dead so that they could get his vineyard, you know. Now, Naboth's sons were also executed as well. And you can see that in Second Kings nine. And uh, uh, Jezebel went, went back to Ahab and said, Naboth is dead and the vineyard is now yours. Now, if Ahab didn't know that Jezebel was up to no good, he should have known right there. It's not just a coincidence. Right. But now that he's dead, but Ahab went to take. Now watch this. Ahab went to take possession of the ill gotten vineyard and God sent the prophet Elijah to meet him with uh, this prophecy of judgment. And here's what God told Ahab. Because you've murdered Naboth and stolen his vineyard, dogs will lick your blood on the same spot where they licked the blood of Naboth. And then he told Ahab that his family will be exterminated. And then he said, Jezebel will be eaten by dogs at the wall of Jezreel. Or in other words, at the palace there in Jezreel, God says that Jezebel's body is going to be eaten by dogs. And we're going to see in a moment, it was actually, as you study the, the, the Bible carefully, it not only happened there at the wall of the palace, but it was in Naboth's vineyard where the dogs ate her. And I'll say more about that in a minute. But when Ahab heard... Now listen to this. When Ahab heard these words, he repented in deep grief over his crime. Now you would think that God would never forgive such a man like this. But you know when he repented, the Lord saw his repentance and showed Ahab mercy by deciding that he would delay the judgment on Ahab's family until after Ahab was dead. Even though Ahab was very evil... When he had a true moment of repentance, God's grace and mercy are observed. Isn't, isn't God good? He's wonderful. Amen. But anyway, as, as the story goes on, and I'll conclude here, Ahab and Judah, uh, Judah's king Jehoshaphat, they got together. They were, they, now listen to this. Ahab and Judah's king Jehoshaphat, they get together, and they're going to team up, and they're going to go into battle against Syria, okay, against Ben-Hadad. And Jehoshaphat wanted to seek the Lord's will on this battle. And Ahab called his staff of 400 false prophets who unanimously predicted victory. An unsatisfied Jehoshaphat pressed Ahab to find a true prophet of the Lord. Ahab reluctantly suggested Micaiah... Who he complained always prophesied bad things about him. So in other words, uh, they're gonna go, they, Ahab and Jehoshaphat get together, they're gonna go against Syria, and, and, and Jehoshaphat, who is a godly king, he says, I want to hear from God on this. And so Ahab had his false prophets out there, and they were all prophesying victory. And then Jehoshaphat said, nah, we, we need to find a true prophet. You know, just cause everybody's prophesying something doesn't mean it's so. We just saw this in the last political election. Everybody prophesying that Donald Trump's going to be the next president, and you know it wasn't so. They, they, and I t- remember when I taught on political prophecies, and 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 you ought to go back and listen to that sometime. And everybody's saying he, uh, you no, know, those weren't prophets. They're not prophets are prophesying that. They're just a bunch of false prophets. What they are? My good gracious. But anyway, give me a true prophet that has the word of the Lord. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So they call Micaiah. Micaiah comes in. Ahab says, I don't want him. He always prophesies bad things about me. But anyway, Micaiah comes in and. And, and and it's interesting that, and I'll just put it in my own words here, they tried to get Micaiah to to prophesy along with the rest of the prophets. And they tried to get him, they, they actually told him, don't go in there and, and say what God's saying, go in there and agree with all these other prophets, you see. And encourage Ahab, just encourage. You know, a prophet of God will have encouragement in his mouth, but he'll also have the truth of the Lord. And that's not always encouraging. You need to understand that. So Micaiah comes in there. And he says to Ahab, he says, long story short, he says, you're, you're gonna die in this next battle. Mm-hmm. Now that's not what Ahab wanted to hear, but that was the word of the Lord. And, uh, and so he prophesied accurately, and, uh, and, and, and you know what happened when he prophesied accurate, accurately? They struck him on the face and they put him in prison. Isn't, isn't that something? When he, when he told Ahab what he didn't want to hear. But be that as it may, here's what happened. Here's how Ahab died. Just like Micaiah, said what happened, that he would die in the battle. Now, Micaiah didn't tell him exactly, I don't think told him exactly how he was going to die, but he was going to die. He wouldn't return. And and here's what happened. Now, listen, this is fascinating. Because we're going to see the death of Ahab and Jezebel. Listen to this. Ahab, during this battle, Ahab was struck by a random arrow and was mortally wounded. And he instructed his charioteer, the guy driving the chariot, to take him home. And you know what? He died outside the palace in Samaria, not in Jezreel, where Naboth was, uh, was was stoned. But he died outside the palace in Samaria, and dogs licked his blood as his chariot was being washed. Isn't that interesting? And it was at the same spot that Naboth had the dogs lick his blood. And so his body, Naboth's body, had to have been moved for some reason to Samaria. Because how many of you know the word of the Lord is right? Right. right. But just think about this. Ahab allowed, there it is again, allowed his wife to do something. And Naboth is dead and the dogs lick his blood. And guess what's happening to Ahab? His blood is going to be licked by the dogs at the exact same spot. And then, some years later, Joram, J-O-R-A-M, Joram, who was Ahab and Jezebel's son, was... now, Now, what did Ahab and Jezebel do to Naboth's sons? Had them murdered, right? Some years later, guess what happens to one of Ahab and Jezebel's sons? Now, listen to this. He was murdered and his dead body was thrown in Naboth's vineyard. Think about that. And Jezebel, after Ahab's death, some years came and went. She continued to reign through her sons because so she was controlling. And Listen to this. You know how she died? She was in the palace window and Jehu, we'll talk about him in another session. Jehu showed up and we'll talk about him later. But Jezebel was thrown out of the palace window in Jezreel. Now listen to this. Her body falls at great distance and hits the ground. The blood splatters. And Jehu was there and there was a bunch of horses and soldiers there. Her body hits the ground. The blood splatters on the palace wall. It splatters on the horses the horses trample her okay and the soldiers move on and there's Jezebel she may or not have been, may or may not have been dead right there but then in the process of time Jehu says go back out and and bury her body and when they went back out here's what happened the dogs now listen to this they started eat they must have started eating her body right there at the at the bottom of the palace wall And then they drug her body because Naboth's vineyard was right close by. They drug her body over to Naboth's vineyard. And in the vineyard of the man that she had put to death, God had the dogs eat her body in that man's vineyard. And the only thing that was left was her skull, her feet, and the palms of her hands. The dogs took the rest, and the Bible says that that her body was like refuse or dung on the ground. And the man that she had put to death, she was torn to shreds by dogs on the very vineyard that she stole. God appealed to Ahab and Jezebel many times, in many ways through Elijah and other true prophets. With a famine, with a miraculous fire falling from heaven, and against all odds, military victories and more. And yet, we saw little repentance in uh, Ahab, but we saw none in Jezebel. And we learned many lessons today about the husband-wife relationship and so on and so forth. But one lesson from King Ahab and Jezebel, which I feel emerges above all the others, is this. And it's best seen with Naboth is that God always eventually balances the scales of justice. Wickedness may prevail for a season, but God's righteousness will eventually triumph over the forces of evil. And I tell you what, I'll put a warning out right now. I'll put a warning out to everybody who's under the sound of my voice. The Bible says, touch not my anointed." Do my prophets no harm. That's what the Bible says. And uh, Naboth was not a prophet, but he was anointed of the Lord. He was a believer. And I tell you, the warning is this. You touch, you harm. And this is a warning. Anybody's listening. You touch, you harm. God's anointed. You touch, you harm. God's prophet. And you touch him physically or you touch him verbally. You don't want to do that. Because it may not be in a day. It may not be in a week, a month, or a year. I think in this case it was 10 years after Ahab died. But God balanced the scales. Amen. Ahab's blood was licked like Nabos. Their son was thrown on Naboth's vineyard and she was eaten by dogs. Jezebel was. On Naboth's vineyard. So warning is, don't touch God's anointed. Do His prophets no harm. Because if you do, physically or verbally, God, if you don't repent, will destroy you and yours. Now you've been warned. Listen, if you're out there today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I want to encourage you to receive Him today. The Bible says if you'll repent of your sins and call on the name of the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved. You'll miss hell, you'll make heaven, and God will make your life worth living in the meantime. So I encourage you today, hey, don't go to hell. Receive Jesus and uh, and and you'll be glad you did. And listen, if you're out there and you're a husband and a wife, and you ha- you don't have the, the, the marriage thing working as it should, hey, this is a good time to repent and get things straightened up. If you're a weak man out there, hey, have some backbone and stand up in love. And hey, if you've been a woman, you've been domineering your husband, hey, this is a good time to repent and get that thing straightened up. Uh, and, and you'll be glad you did. Your home will run better. It'll be better for your kids. So I know I went a little long today, but I think, you know, any time spent in the Word of God is worthwhile time. So God bless you. Bye-bye.